0: This is episode number one hundred and five of Unfolding Words. God has not forgotten you in your waiting. Welcome. I'm your host, and Tracia Moorings. I hope you're well today. How are you doing? We are here in Southern California, enjoying what is very summer-like weather in fall. This week has been full of ninety-degree days, and I think today was our lowest of the week at eighty-two. So I hope wherever you are, it looks or somewhat feels like fall because we still have summer weather going on here. Most of you may know that I am a seminary student. I started graduate school this fall at Talbot School of Theology at Biola University here in Southern California. And my professor, one of my professors, shares a lot of good book recommendations and resources for us. So I've been writing them down and I'm wondering, would you be interested in me sharing some of those resources? Also, many of the books that I'm currently reading are so good that I'm thinking of turning them into inspirations for podcast episodes. So send me an email. Let me know if you'd be interested. There's an link to my email address in the show notes, which is in the description of the podcast episode in most of the podcast apps that you all listen on. Also, you can send me a DM on Instagram at Unfolding Words, and let me know if that's something that you'd be interested in, in me sharing a book recommendation or a resource on the show. So today we're going to talk about a subject that nobody wants to talk about, and that is waiting Waiting sucks, whether you're a toddler or an adult. And most of us are waiting for something. Most of us are waiting for this pandemic to be over, right? I know when it started, we thought, you know, a couple of weeks, maybe a few months, and this will all be over. And now, almost a year later, we are still living in a pandemic. It's just proof that we are not in control of our own lives. Waiting is important, though, because it's how we learn God, it's how we learn from God, and it's how we learn about God. But we live in a microwave society, and it amplifies the fact that we don't need to wait, because a lot of us don't have to wait for things in the society. You turn on Netflix, you can watch a whole season. You want a package, Amazon will deliver it the next day. Do you need your groceries in a few hours? Instacart has that covered for you. So in our society, waiting seems almost unnecessary. There are a few things we'll wait for, like we'll wait for nine months for a pregnancy, you know, for the baby to come. But most often we don't want to wait. We don't want to wait in line. We don't want to wait on people. We don't want to wait for anything. But waiting provides some valuable lessons for us that we cannot get any other way. And waiting on God, it renews our strength, even though it doesn't feel like it. And it makes us realize that it's God who makes things happen and not us. But the thing about waiting is that it takes patience. And the Bible points out that God's people will have to wait on him sometimes. They will have to wait whether they're waiting on judgment or whether they're hoping for a blessing. This verb for the word wait is, in Hebrew, chaka, C-H-A-K-A-H. And it means to wait, to await, to delay, to tarry, or to long for. Those all sum up the word wait pretty well, right? And in a lot of context in the Bible, the word carries the meaning of to have patience, In other contexts, the word marks the time, like when someone is waiting to ambush someone. But the most important use of this word is when it points to being patient in waiting on the Lord. This is where we're going to see most of the use of this word waiting, is waiting on God. As a result of this, we have to prepare ourselves to patiently look to God as we wait. We have to look to him in patience for his guidance and accepting the timing that he has for whatever we're waiting on him for. We can give him a guideline, but we know that he doesn't always work according to our guidelines. Waiting on God can lead to a sense of expectation for us and confidence in God, but it also helps us to understand that we cannot Rely on our own judgment when it comes to when something will come about. Psalm 33 and 20 says, Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. This is why we wait, because God is our help and he protects us and he's our shield as we wait. And the psalmist is declaring that we wait and depend upon the Lord for his deliverance and his salvation. And one thing that we know about waiting on God is that deliverance is a sure thing because God's people are willing to depend on him because they know that He can deliver that he can come through and this is how Israel found themselves in trouble because they refused to wait patiently on God in the wilderness and out mount and at out- Mount Sinai. Remember how they refused to wait for Moses to come down? So they built their own golden calf and it brought about a disastrous result for them. So God had to deal with them in judgment. And the psalmist writes about this in Psalm 106 and 13. And it talks about a time when the people would not wait for the Lord's counsel. Not waiting on God is not just being impatient, but it can lead to judgment from God. So that's why being patient and waiting on God is very important, an important discipline for us to develop in our lives. For us to wait in expectation and wait on the Lord, it's a necessary part of life. It's what we need to develop our spiritual muscles, according to the scriptures. So if we want to receive the Lord's blessing, sometimes we have to wait. And we see that the prophet Isaiah Practice what he preached as he waited for the Lord to move in his life and in the life of the nation. Think about the nine months of waiting for a child to be born. When that child comes, the waiting is more than worth it. All of the pain and the agony and the not knowing the timing, it all pays off once that baby is delivered. And this same truth is reality for those that wait upon the Lord because Isaiah says the Lord will act. On their behalf. We see this in Isaiah 64 and 4. And in the book of Zephaniah, the message that this prophet delivers is that the Lord will deliver his people as they wait for the Lord. And in this book, there was a double meaning to that waiting. They were waiting for the day of the Lord when the Lord would judge Israel and the nations, but also God was giving them a glimpse of a time of future restoration. First, God would come in judgment, but then he would renew his people and restore their fortunes. We see this in Zephaniah 3 and 20. And all of this applies to us today, both in our personal lives and collectively as a body of believers. We have to patiently wait for the Lord For Jesus to come back to correct the injustices in this world when he returns in his glory. And then on another level, we have to wait on God when we're praying for guidance, when we're making tough life decisions, when we're looking to him to help us. We have to wait for him. And sometimes it looks as if the Lord is not answering our prayers. But it's during those times that we have to remind ourselves that he is the living God. He's present. He's here, he hears us, and he knows. But most importantly, he has a plan for each of our individual lives. So our waiting is never going to be in vain. He's in control of all of our lives. He's in control of your life individually, and he's working for your good. And he does all this because he loves you. So we have to be patient. But a big part of our angst behind waiting is that we often feel like God has forgotten about us. We feel forsaken because we're waiting. And a lot of times we don't get a word from the Lord that says, okay, in two more weeks, you're going to get the answer to your prayer. God doesn't work like that. So many times we're waiting and we're looking to God in expectation, but we don't have any hints or clues of how or when he's going to deliver or answer our prayers. In the early part of the book of Isaiah, chapter 49, God promised this servant savior who would be for all the people. He would be held up by the hand of God who would restore God's people. And starting in verse 14, God speaks to the skepticism of the people that they were, that they were voicing. They had been oppressed for a long time. They were disheartened. They were depressed. They were disillusioned. And after years upon years of rebellion against God and 70 years of captivity, on top of that, they were wondering, is there any hope for us? And they voiced their fearful complaint in the book of Isaiah, chapter 49, verse 14 says, but Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. My God has forgotten me. The Lord has forgotten me. Haven't you ever felt like that? like you're praying and you're waiting, you see other people get their prayers answered way before you. You see people get prayers answered that you have prayed for that they haven't even prayed for. And then they get that. And then that makes it even worse because you're wondering, okay, great. I'm praying for that. They got it and they didn't even want it. And I'm still waiting on it. And so it's human to say the Lord has forgotten me. And the nation of Israel had come to the same conclusion that they were forgotten and abandoned by God. And it's understandable. You're waiting. You don't have any answers. God doesn't have a playbook for us to help us understand how to navigate this all the time. And the nation of Israel had been in Babylon in captivity, waiting and wondering when and if God was going to deliver. And he gave them these repeated... um assurances that redemption was coming. But the exiles still felt abandoned. And they should have been responding with joy because the prophet in verse number 13 of the book of Isaiah, chapter 49, had just given them some good words of encouragement. But they denied the reality of of deliverance that was behind this message of comfort and hope that Isaiah shared. He said in verse number 13, sing for joy, O heavens, and exult, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing, for the Lord has comforted his people, and he will have compassion on his afflicted. God addressed the people directly, and he reassured the nation of his care. see this in verses 15 through 21. But the people started to think that they were too far gone. And haven't you ever felt that way? Like, I've prayed about this for a long time. And so I think God just probably said, forget about this one because he hasn't answered it yet. And you're waiting and you're waiting and you feel that God has probably turned his back on that prayer request or that concern or whatever it is that you're waiting on. Maybe it's a sin that you struggled with for so long that you feel like you can't forsake or something that can't be resolved in a relationship that you're not even praying about anymore. No matter how much you've prayed, it just doesn't seem like this issue is going to be able to be conquered. And it makes you wonder, is God real in my life? Can God be real in my life if I'm waiting and nothing ever happens? So it's hard to keep praying about something or someone without a positive outcome for so long. Desperation and unbelief will start to set in. It's just how our hearts are made. But God lets the people know in so many words, I will take care of you. And this is the same sentiment that he's echoing for us today. So in verses 14 through 21 of Isaiah 49, the prophet had shared this dialogue that was happening between Israel and God. So the people in Jerusalem felt that God had forgotten about them. But God replied to them that he certainly had not forgotten about them. He could not possibly do that because he was like a mother to the nation. And then he adds something so neat. Let me read this in Isaiah 49, chapter 15, verses 15 and 16. Can a woman forget her nursing child, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands, and your walls are continually before me. So God was letting them know, like a mother will never forget her child. A normal mother, one whose mental health is intact, cannot give birth and forget about their child. It's just not how we're built as humans. You will never forget about your child. If you give your child up for adoption, there's always a part of you that I hear, I don't know from personal firsthand experience, but mothers who give their children up for adoption always think about that child in one way or another. And God is saying the same thing. And on top of this, he's letting the nation know that they are tattooed on his palm. So that as a figure or picture that he's painting for them, that when he lifts his hands up, he sees the nation's name, which reminds him of the nation. He can never forget them. When God makes you wait, there's a reason. It's because he has a plan in mind. God's ways are higher than our ways, and we won't always understand this. But trust, God knows what he's doing. And sometimes when you're waiting, you can think that your best days are behind you. But in this chapter, Isaiah was painting a picture that the best days were yet still ahead for the nation of Israel. In verses 19 and 20, he pointed out that the new family, those who would be born to the nation, would overflow all of the boundaries. The New Testament also speaks to this promise that there is something better yet to come. And this actually came true that there was better yet to come because the ruins of Jerusalem were rebuilt in the 6th and the 5th centuries. The glory returned to the city and the exiles returned home. They did not wait on God in vain. So if God's people are willing to depend on him, then we will know that our deliverance is assured. And as we wait on God, There are a couple of benefits that we receive. The first is that it leads to an expectancy. So as we're waiting, we know that God can deliver because he's done it before. So we can have an expectancy that he will deliver again. Another benefit is that leads to hope. So when we have hope in something, it's not just a wishful thinking. It's a hope grounded on something sure. God is that something sure. So as we wait on him, our hope begins to grow. Waiting on God also leads to trust. So we trust that God is able and that he's willing to do what he promised for us in our lives. Finally, waiting on God leads to patience. So you cannot be impatient continually when God's promised that he's going to deliver. So when we're getting impatient, We have to remind ourselves that God has acted before. We have to remind ourselves of what he said in the word, and we have to trust these promises. And as we trust these promises, we can have patience as we wait on the Lord to act. God is in control of all life, and he's working for your own good. Remember that he works all things together for good for those who trust him. So you have to trust him to know that he's going to work everything out. That includes the bad and the good for your own good. And he does this because he loves you. So be patient and trust the Lord as you wait. That's it for this episode of Unfolding Words. I so appreciate you tuning in today. And also remember, if you would like for me to share some resources that I've come across, be sure to email me at antracia at unfoldingwords.com. The link is in the show notes, and also you can send me a direct message on Instagram at Unfolding Words, and let me know if that's something that you'd be interested in. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on one episode, and I will see you back here next week with another episode of Unfolding Words. Until then, may God's word be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. God bless you.